Well, welcome to another episode, episode 14 of Beyond the Devastation. Today, we're going to be talking to a gentleman who I had a chance to meet in just a couple months ago. And uh, we're going to bring him on here shortly. We're just going to let the music kind of play out here. But uh, we're going to do episode 14. Today is Beyond the Loss. And how do you get beyond the devastation of a loss, especially when it's your wife or your husband, whichever one. But we're going to have our guest today kind of talk to that and really help us get through it as he's been going through it. And uh, we're just so we're just so honored. And really, it is an honor today. I get the opportunity to interview our newest general board member of the Church of God in Christ. None other than the bishop, Elijah H. for Hosea, I believe, if I got that That's right. Correct. Hankerson the third, four generations of Kojic. Now he has birthed the fifth generation and his three children. And he is a jurisdictional prelate in Missouri. He is a pastor. Correct. He is a father. And he is a leader. And uh, it is Bishop, it is an honor to just a few months ago, we were on a panel and I, I'll be honest, Bishop, when I when I had the chance to kind of pose those questions to you, I, what I told everybody when we were done, I said he was prepared. He answered them and he stuck to the time. And I'm like, I like this wow. guy. <laughs> and I said he, he had it. He nailed it. And then you and I have had the, the chance to kind of converse um, beyond this and truly sir I, I just you know what god puts leaders in in position at a, in a time in a season like this and I, I again i am honored to have you on my podcast god bless you and welcome to beyond the devastation thank you so much superintendent i appreciate it and i was sitting in the uh, green room kind of jamming to the bass playing that's the catchy uh, opening that you have there but it's a privilege and an honor uh, to be here with you. And yes, we enjoyed that panel um, a few months ago, and here we are today. And so we're excited about the work that is happening in your ministry and uh, reaching the uttermost parts of the earth with the gospel of Jesus Christ, and specifically with technology. I'm not necessarily a technology expert, but I love uh, technology, and I appreciate how you use technology uh, to reach the masses. So it's an honor to be here with you today. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bishop, what, what drew me to your story was you, you your slogan was and, and what I heard and kind of reverberated throughout everywhere was that we got work to do. Right. We still got work to do. And I, for for the conversation we're going to have today, so everybody understands, you know, and, and he's going to tell it in his own words. But for a man that was telling everybody he had work to do, when you hear what he's been through. Many of you would have just collapsed. Many of you would have just rolled over. But this man came out fighting. And with a resurgence that I really, I think that we all can certainly admire, but I think that we can all appreciate his story. So, Bishop, share with us your story of Beyond the Devastation. Well, um, let's just pick up right there and um, deal with the devastation and beyond. For those that uh, may not be familiar with my story, I was uh, married to the most wonderful woman and person on the face of the earth for 22 years, uh, the late Rachel Lenora Hankerson. 
Uh, we had known each other most of our lives. We met in our college town. I um, had graduated from college in Springfield, Missouri, as well as uh, Rachel, and I started pastoring in Springfield. Uh, we met, long story short, fell in love, got married, um, pastored there in Springfield, Missouri for a number of years, and then felt led to, of God to move to St. Louis. And so 22, 23 years ago, actually, we founded the uh, Life Center International Church of God in Christ. And as we um, go into the time of uh, Valentine's and love and marriage, um, you know, when you talk about marriage and ministry, there's really two different ways you can look at it. Uh, you can say, well, if someone's the preacher in the family, let them handle that and I won't focus on it. But we determined early in our marriage and ministry that we would do everything together. Uh, because, you know, Superintendent Perez, um, ministry has a way of just creeping into every area of your life. It consumes you if you're really passionate about it. And we're passionate about uh, spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and um, edifying uh, uh, believers and just reaching the world. And so we determined that, you know, since this is the case where we're going to be consumed time-wise with ministry, let's just do everything together. And so we did everything together. We attended everything together. We walked the streets witnessing together. We built the ministry together. Everything that has occurred um, in my life in ministry uh, from our marriage on, she has been an integral uh, part of that. And so long story short, she's always been a healthy person. Um, she was the one that was into uh, exercise and all that because she was a track star, of course, in college and oh, wow. in high school. But um, long story short, being the healthiest person in the family, just out of nowhere, um, she started uh, exhibiting uh, symptoms with a lot of pain, uh, nausea. And uh, so I didn't know. We, we thought maybe this is COVID or something. And so she took a COVID test. It wasn't COVID. Long story short, out of nowhere to us, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And 30 days later, uh, she ended up passing away. And I would, if I could describe it, it's almost like having half of your heart ripped out, uh, half of your life ripped out, because um, if you've done everything together and the transition occurs just so instantly without warning, um, it's very devastating. But uh, to mention about I've got work to do, that was a discussion that she and I had in the hospital I thank God that even though the hospitals um, at that time were very strict in regard to visitation, I was allowed to stay with my wife day and night and uh, try my best not to leave her side uh, because we believe strongly, the both of us, in the marriage vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others for them alone. Unto thee do I pledge my uh, commitment, my faith. And so... Um, we were there together and we were having a discussion and you know how it is when someone is uh, transitioning, they're really telling you goodbye without saying it. And so she was going into this long talk and I stopped her and said, no, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, you're not going nowhere. I said, uh, -uh. and I said, if you're going somewhere, I'm right behind you. She said, no, you can't do that. I said, no, we've done everything together. And I said, I've lived a wonderful life. God has blessed me. Even soup. I'm going to tell you this. When this diagnosis happened, I had a conversation with God. You know, they talk about going through the grief process where there's that bargaining. And I'd even told God, I said, listen, she has, you know, ambitions and things she wants to do. 
I may be a young man, but I started young in ministry, you know, been at it 42 years, only 49 years old. But uh, God has blessed me tremendously. I said, God, you've done so much. Take this off of her, put it on me and let her live. But, you know, God didn't see fit for that. And she told me, she said, listen, you're going to be fine. She said, you've got work to do. I said, no, I can't do any work without you. Long story short, um, you know, she passes away. Worst moment of my life, worst season of my life, worst time for my life, as well as that for our three precious children, Elijah, Raquel, and Matthew. Anytime you see pictures uh, on social media, we're always together, you know. And so it was devastating for the whole family. But maybe um, a month after she passed away, that really just dropped in my spirit. You know, someone can say something, but it just doesn't, doesn't really click. But it just really stirred in my spirit. I've got work to do. And I'm going to tell you, um, that has been my lifeblood. That word, that statement that I've got work to do is not just a model. Some people look at it as, oh, that was just a uh, election slogan. No, that is the thing that I've held on to, <laughs> to be able to stand through this devastation. You notice people will say, I need a word from the Lord. If he doesn't give me a sentence, if he doesn't give me a paragraph, if I don't get a chapter, just give me a word. If it's not even a word, a letter or a period or a comma or something. Just give me something. That, yeah. yeah, just something. And that statement, you've got work to do, is what has carried me through and it continues to carry me through because as I stay focused, then I'm able to stay above uh, the grief. Because anybody that's viewing or listening, you know, if you allow grief to overtake you, if you allow sorrow to overtake you, I mean, sorrow will almost personify itself. It's almost like a spirit and it will get in your head. It will get in your ears. And we know, of course, the enemy will say things. And I had the enemy tell me that it's over, man. Just give up. Why don't you just die? Won't you just quit. You know, I, I went out to my wife's grave and the enemy spoke and said, just lay down and get in the grave. It's, it, it's over. But wow. that just kept stirring my spirit. I've got work to do. I've got work to do. So when I tell people that it was not something just to win an election, it is something to keep me encouraged and to keep others encouraged. I mean, I even say it now on a regular basis. I've got work to do. Yeah. So that's the story of um, dealing and, with that devastation. And, and it's funny, folks. So what you don't know, <laughs> Is it look every text message that I ever got from him, I was repeating it back to him, and because he would give it to me and I'd send it right back to him. You got work yes, to man. do, right? And he he yeah. send it right back. You got yes, I do. And 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 people, you know, for again, look at. I want you to understand what he said. This could eat you up alive. The very cancer that took his wife out. This is this could be doubly worse, right? Because it. it you're living, but you're not living because the, 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 the devastation of the loss cripples you. Yeah. Now, he still has to be a father to three children. He still has to pastor. He still has to be a jurisdictional prelate. Now, he's a general board member of the largest African-American church in the world, which is the Church of God in Christ. And he is one of the 12 that now sits on this board. With all of that, my question to you, how in the world do you even have a chance to breathe, Bishop? Because you're still you're still grieving. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You have to learn to manage grief. I don't think grief is something, if you love the person, I don't think it's something that's just going to disappear. Um, I don't think it's just going to go away. 
but you manage it. You learn to deal with it. And especially, again, if you love the person. Now, everyone doesn't have that experience. There's this story about this lady that her husband passed and the people were coming around at the visitation. Oh, I know you feel horrible. And uh, she says, well, I guess I should. But she says, I have more peace now than I ever had before, you know, because he was such a, you know, rambunctious type of individual. She said, oh, I'm, I'm really kind of happy that he's gone. <laughs> you know, so I don't have that testimony. And every everyone has a different testimony. So right. for some people, they may look and say, well, we all have to go. So what big deal is it? Well, again, listen to what I stated. We were so close. We were in love with each other. A lot of people are married, but okay. they're not in love with each but other. They're not in love. <laughs> And there's a difference. And that's, and that's a di there, oh my God, that's a wholesale difference, right? That's a whole different segment, that's right? That's a whole there. different statement. But what yes. I want you to share, which you, we shared in the green room, share with mm -hmm. everybody that when she passed, though. Yeah, when she passed, um, it, it definitely was, um, like I stated, the worst moment of my life. And it occurred, and this is what we were talking about in the green room, it occurred on Father's Day. Now, now watch this, Sue. Let me tell you this. She was a tremendous evangelist. Her last message was on Mother's Day. And then she passed on Father's Day. On Father's Day. And she was buried the day before her favorite holiday, which is the 4th of July. So, you know, you can imagine now, how are we going to deal with all of these holidays? Well, thank God the family has made it through Thanksgiving, we've made it through Christmas. You know, what you have to do, and for someone that's viewing and wanted to know practically how do you deal with this, you really just try to make the best of a horrible situation. Trouble, grief, hard times, you don't have to look for them. They will find you. I so do. if there's an individual that, hey, I've never had any bad days in my life, just keep living. They will find you. And so since it's something that you really have no choice over, you have to make the choice that all right, we're going to manage this. For example, I only had 30 days with my wife, but how I looked at it, it was almost like a second honeymoon. And when I say second honeymoon, in the sense that nothing else mattered except she and I, you know, this is not in the Kojic hymnal, but our favorite song for us was just the two of us. We can make there it if go. we try. And so we were able to talk about life. We were able to talk about the kids, ministry, everything. People from all around the world sent in prayer prayers uh, for her, songs for her. I read off every text that was sent. You know, as soon as I clear out the text, maybe five or 600 messages, boom, it would fill right up again. And so what I thank God for, I thank God that before she transitioned, she knew that people loved her. She knew that um, her life had made a difference. She knew that she was safe with her husband. And, and, and when I think about those that have gone through with, um, the COVID-19, there's people that have lost loved ones. They couldn't get in to see their loved ones. They couldn't even have a funeral. You know, it's like you can't get in and see them. And then the person passes and there's this uh, graveside service that you have to stand back from. Those are traumatic situations. So one of the things that we did, Superintendent, in order to get through, for example, the holidays, um, Thanksgiving. Okay. My wife loved to be at home and to cook. All right. I love to travel on the holidays. The whole family loves the beach. So what we did on Thanksgiving, we said, you know what? We're going to have a picnic on the beach. Awesome. So, Sue, I kid you not, we, we looked up the recipes and everything, how to cook dressing and all of that. 
And the kids and I made the food. Now watch this. We're in St. Louis, all right? The older kids, they're in college, but they came home for the holiday. And we had to fly to Florida to get to the beach. We froze the food, <laughs> put it in the suitcases, get, and took wow. it down to Florida. And I've never seen a picnic bench or hut, whatever you want to call it, on the beach. We're there in Miami. And what do you think we saw? This this canopy. A cabana. This, yeah. Is that what that? Okay. The cabana, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the picnic bench, everything you right there, it. the picnic table. And we had Thanksgiving on the beach. And so when life throws you situations like that, have a picnic, go to the beach. And <laughs> that's it. And look, let's let's take a therapeutic point here, right? You took the best of what you the best of what your wife would like, and yes. you know the component that we haven't talked about is here is that you have three children. Yes, and they range in what ages, Bishop? Uh, Elijah's twenty-two, Raquel's twenty-one, and Matthew is sixteen. So sixteen to twenty-two, and yes, they're sir. grieving. Yes, sir. So you've got four people that are yep. going through at the same time. And, yes. and I can just imagine a 16 year old saying, well, I didn't get the benefits of knowing her for 22. You know, the 21 saying, I wish I would have known her longer, you know, yeah. and you saying that man, we've only been together 22 years and we, we, we had signed up for a lifetime. Yes. yes. And now all of that literally in 30 days, your life completely changes. How are the kids doing? If you don't mind me asking, how are they doing through this process? Well, I appreciate you asking that because a lot of times we will look at the case where, um, you know, the father or the husband is grieving, but we forget about the children. And I thank you so much for asking that. Um, for the children, it's difficult because I'm going to say this as dads, we do the best that we possibly can, but there's no one like mom. There's no one right. like mom, you know, and um there's just no way around that. Dads, we, you know, have our uh, methodology, but mama, there's just something special about um, a mother. And so what I appreciate the fact, you know, the Bible talks about a wise woman builds her house. And so I thank God that my lovely wife um, helped to build a home that is a place of refuge. Mm. And again, I'm going to go back. I don't mean to talk about marriage a lot. No, 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 please. It's fine. Our, our family was not the type that, Whew, I don't want to go home. Let me just stay at the office as long as I can. Is there a service or something going on where I don't have to go home? And there's a lot of people, superintendent, that are like that. They dread going home and they will stay out as long as they possibly can because when they get home, it's a war zone. Our home has never been like that. Our home has always been a place of refuge. And so even though she is gone physically, the works, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, blessed are the dead that die in the Lord and their works do follow them. Her, her works literally follow behind that even though physically she's not here, you can see the works in the sense of the home still being a place of refuge. And that's what's comforting for the family, because, you know, someone may say, well, wouldn't you just get out of the house? Well, no, I can't do that right now because the children find the home still. You know, when I say home, I'm talking about the physical home, the structure, Absolutely. as well as our family. And so that's how our family is being able to cope in the sense that we've always been tight knit. You know, they used to laugh at us when we would get to um, Memphis and this little car would drive up. They laughed and said, Hankerson, 
um, has the clown car. Because remember, when you go to the circus years ago, there's this little car and 10 or 12 clowns get out. And so I'm kind of frugal. And so I don't like to spend a whole lot of money on rented cars and things like that. And so I drive up. Yeah. And five people would get out the car and they would just laugh like, look at this. They're all stuffed in that car. Do you realize as a family, we have literally traveled um, as a family to all over 48 states, you know, in the car. And we made sure. And see, the thing is, the time was short, you know, 22, just shy, just shy of 23 years, you know, and, and, and my wife and I, because I, I like, again, I was bargaining with God, Lord, please let us make 25 because we had big plans for the 25th, you know, wedding anniversary and all of that. And so um, we had just, you know, just got on that particular right close to 23. And um, the thing is, in that short amount of time, we were able to travel all over the place as a family. We made sure our kids, one funny story, we were up in the Northeast and I told the kids and, and, and the wife, I wanted to drive up I-95. I wanted to see the whole East Coast. I wanted the kids to experience that, see the White House and everything. So we get to Philadelphia about two o'clock in the morning. And my wife and I are so excited. We're waking the kids up because we're in front of the uh, facility that houses the Liberty Bell. And so we're awesome. waking the kids up. Wake up, kids. Wake up. And we tell them, look, there's the Liberty Bell. And they're looking at us. Like our parents have just lost it. They have awakened us at two in the morning to look at a bell. But those kind of memories stick and stay with us. And I would tell anyone, um, as Pentecostals, we always put off the best times. We have what I mean by that. We talk about the good old days, how things used to be, or we talk about what God is getting ready to do but it's never right now. All we have is right now. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow is not promised. And so thank God for the times that we have in the land of the living. Now you're creating memories now. And I would tell everyone, cherish your loved ones, cherish your family, whatever differences that you have, it's not worth it. Let those differences go. Whatever differences you have among church members. Listen, when you're in an intensive care unit, all of these squabbles that we have in church, they don't, don't mean don't anything. They don't mean anything. All the doctrinal differences, the political differences, it doesn't mean anything during those particular times. And so life, I feel his presence right now, life is a gift that God has given us. And we may say, well, it's so short and, you know, but thank God for everlasting life. I, if, if God gives us one day, we should be grateful for that and make the actual most of it. And so, yes, I've got work to do. And Superintendent, you've got work to do. And everyone has work to do. And you have to realize that every time God gives you another day or another moment, that's another opportunity to do work for him, to help somebody else. I'm determined, Soup, that you know what? I'm not going to go through this alone. I'm going to help as many people as I possibly can. And I'm not just doing works just to be busy. And, and, and just to do something, just to take up the time. But I want maximum impact. Now, God, you allowed this. I don't know why you allowed this. I don't know why we would have to go through this. We've always tried to do the very best that we can of living right. You know, no, we're not Jesus Jr. nothing. But even Sue, when the wife and I got married, both of us had kept ourselves until our wedding day. And so she was in white and I was in white. And we wanted to be an example to other young people that you can Hold yourself. You can be a person of integrity. You can be a person of character. 
And so people around the world were like, why is it that these people that have tried to do the right thing, everything has gone wrong for them? We don't have the answer. We can try to make it up. You know, people have tried to help us through grief. Well, you know, God needed a flower in his garden. No, he didn't. God has plenty of flowers. Right. You know, God needed another angel. No, God has plenty of angels. We don't know the answer. But one thing that we know is God is still God. And I'm telling you, Superintendent, I've gone through the hurt, the pain, the sorrow, the tears. But I'm telling you, thank you, Jesus. God is still good. And I've come too far to turn back. And I'm got determined to, to run on. And I've got work to do. And I'm determined to complete it. Uh, so that I can hear him say, well done. That's what it's all about. And, and you know, Bishop, it's interesting that when when calamity hits us, everybody looks at us and say, okay, what did you do wrong? Or what went wrong? But yeah. is it wrong, though? Is it, you know, people auto automatically look for the negativity in it. Oh, well, they did everything right. And look, they, it still happens. Look, we do the best we can every single day. Yeah. And Things happen. And if things aren't yeah. happening, then I, I'd like to get, please call me <laughs> because I want to talk call to you. Too. <laughs> please. <laughs> yeah. because, but they automatically say, oh, well, they did something wrong. No. How about if they did everything right? But yet yeah. this was God's moment, right? And it doesn't matter. You lost a job, lost your wife, lost everything. You know, think about Job. What did Job do? Job yeah. didn't do nothing. He just happened to be a man that really, hey, look, do everything but, right? And we automatically defer to the negative. Yeah. But to hear you talk about your wife, and I, I, I'm, I was jotting down some notes as you were talking, those 30 days in the ICU, mm -hmm. where you blocked out everything. Yeah. It, it really didn't matter, right? This was, this was, you didn't know if it was going to be 30 seconds or 30 days. Matter of fact, you didn't know if God could have given you six months. You just didn't know. Yeah. But what I love to hear was that you treated every day like you, you, it was my last. And I, you poured everything in. And like I said, when you're joined at the hip that way, you don't know what else to do. Yeah. Like you said, you, and I love what you said, you know, in, in, in a, about building a home, right? That's a legacy. Right. I, I know everybody called her first lady, you know, they, yeah. they, you know, but look, at the end of the day, she built a legacy for those children that yes. when they grow up. That, that 16 or 22, it's embedded in their DNA now. Because yeah. of, of, of who she was, and I, I, I really want everybody to listen to this, and this is why I wanted them on, because look, Father's Day is never going to be the same. Because of what happened. He's got to make it. He just has to make it better than it was. Right. Look at what he did for Thanksgiving. He reinvented the wheel, so to speak, because he took he took the best of everything and made a bad situation. Great. And when he got there, everything he needed was there. So when we look at losses like this, we've got to figure out a way. How do I make it better? Yeah. Because, like you said, it. it the enemy could have listen. The enemy had you knocking on your door saying, hey, you can just check out, too. Right. No. And, and, and you did one of the, you know, as they say, was it the five, you know, during five or seven, you know, of grief. Can't think of the terminology, but, you know, stages, excuse me. And you use bargaining. Hey, we'll swap. Right. 
but God didn't have it because you've got work to do. Work to do. If you could, what was besides the work to do in those 30 days? What was, you know, being with her for 22 years, but in those 30 days, in those moments, is there one thing that you will, that you really glean from, from those, from that time as you sat there in the hospital? What, is, what do you pull from that, from that? You know, is there a specific moment or just moments that you kind of stitch together? Yeah, definitely. And I can hear my wife saying now, now, you know, you messed up on those dates. We were married 23 going on 24 years. So let me oh, yeah. correct that so that when I That's get good. to heaven and see her, she doesn't <laughs> hit me upside the head and say, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. but, and the reason I mentioned that is because this year would have made 25 years. And, and you were going we'll to and you were and you're turning 50 this year as well. Yeah. See, we were supposed to have this big celebration where um, we celebrate my 50th birthday, our 25th wedding anniversary and all of that. And all of that was just cut short. But to answer your question in regard to, um, you know, that time in the hospital, again, um, it was just the preciousness of that moment. That was what was the most impactful. It, it, it's amazing when you know that any day could be the last day, as you mentioned, every word means something. I remember one time she looked at me and she said, Elijah, thank you. And I said, thank you for what? And she was basically thanking me for taking care of her. I stopped. I said, hold, hold up just a minute. I said, hold up just a minute. No, don't thank me. I thank you. Wow. I thank you for being such a wonderful person. And um, some of the nurses and doctors would come in and they had never, <clears throat> I guess, observed um, on a large scale the number of you know, people of color in their marriage that have that kind of commitment to each other because um, I took care of her. I'll say it like that. I was the nurse. I took care of her. And um, someone tried to tell her one time, one of the uh, nurses, oh, you're so lucky to have a man like this. Hold up just a minute. I said, no, I'm lucky. Not luck. I said, I'm blessed. Blessed. To have a woman like her. I said, because if I was in the same condition, I said, she would do the exact same thing for me. This is just how we feel about each other. So it's not that I'm so special, you know, in taking care of her. I'm doing nothing any different than from what she would do. And so I'm grateful and thankful that we were able as a couple to be a witness. Um, one time, another thing that stuck out to me, Sue, was um, I watched my wife, and I mentioned this uh, when I did um, her, her eulogy that Friday night of her uh, celebration of life weekend. I mentioned that I literally saw her transition in her prayers. Like when Jesus prayed, when wow. Jesus prayed, he starts off, you know, father, if it be cup, if it be possible, let this cup pass for me. All right. Then he transitions into, you know, if it's your will that I drink it, your will be done. And I watched her, which was very tormenting, crying out to God in pain and in agony. And then I watched her transition where she was speaking in tongues for like, it was like 48 hours straight. And I would try to tell her, Rachel, you need to get some rest. But she'd go right back into tongues. She'd go right back into um, crying out to God. That's something that really stuck with me because I don't know the conversation that she had with God. But to watch a saint of God like that, you're, you're in pain. You've done all the right that you know how to do. 
You've done all the good that you know how to do. And God allows this to happen in your life. And you're still praising him on your hospital, on your, wait a minute, on your deathbed. deathbed. That, that's a testament right there. You know, it was nothing for her to lift her hands and praise and to magnify God. And even though it hurts me, the Lord reminded me that I'm not privy to the conversations that she and he had. I don't know what they talked about. I don't know what when she was praying in tongues that time. I don't know what they talked about, but it's no telling the conversation that they um, had. I, I do have this feeling that everything is all right, you know, because the Lord spoke to me and said, she's OK. She's with me. And so I know that you can say, well, that's in the Bible to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. So that's not a word from God. Well, whatever. It comforted me. I'll tell you this much. <laughs> it comforted me to, 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 to sense God telling me that my wife is OK. And that she is with him. So that really stuck out um, with me. And there were just so many different moments. Um, one night, you know, when it's your time to go, obviously it's the will of God because he allows it. So however you want to phrase that, however you want to put it, you know, God allows it. All right. And so one night we were there in the hospital and superintendent, there were cold blues all up and down the hallway. My wife was asleep. I'm sitting in the, you know, the bed that they, not the bed, but the chair that they give you that sits right next to the bed. So she sits up and she starts saying, Elijah, Elijah, they're coming for me. They're coming for me. And so I'm kind of groggy and trying to figure out who's coming for you. What are you talking about? And then it dawns on me that death is literally trying to come in and take her. And so superintendent, I went into the worst warfare that you could ever imagine. If death was a person, I'm trying to tell you, he would be in ICU right now. Wow. And when I got finished, I told death, I said, you're not touching her. You're not taking her. As a matter of fact, you're not taking anybody else on this entire uh, quarter. You know, so you can stop that. You can cut that out right now. After that occurred, she laid down and she went to sleep and she had a wonderful night of rest under the circumstances. And do you know when it came time for her to transition on that Father's Day, I was, because I, I wasn't going to leave her side, I was out the room 30 minutes. My mother was in town. My sister-in-law was there. My uh, three kids. And of course, everybody couldn't come up to the room. I went out of the room for 30 minutes. And when I was out for 30 minutes, that's when the doctor called and said, you need to get up here now. Her heart has stopped. Wow. And that let me know. Now, you can say it's my imagination or whatever. If it is, just, just uh, to the viewers and listeners, just let me have this thought. I believe that God said, if I'm going to get her out of here, I'm going to have to get Hankerson out the room. Because as long as he is sitting there, he's going to be in warfare. And it's going to be taking authority over death. That really showed me the authority that we have as intercessors and as prayer warriors and how strongly God honors the prayers of the righteous and honors the prayers of the saints. And it could be during that time that my wife was praying in tongues because she told me she was tired. She said, I'm, I'm tired, but I would not receive that. It could be that she had that conversation with God and God said, okay, in order to take her, we're going to get him out the room. And like I said, I was gone 30 minutes and, and, and let me tell you what, the night she passed, superintendent, she had a smile and a look of relief on her face. The mortician told me 
as I was, you know, viewing her before everybody else uh, came in, they said, that's not fake. That's real. They said, we can't. They said, people talk about us putting smiles and everything on people's faces. She's, they, they said, we cannot fake a look of peace. And they said, you could see a look of peace on her face. I believe that she saw Jesus for the first time. And I'm going to tell you something, Superintendent. And I hope your viewers don't think, well, he brought this crazy man on here talking any kind of way. Hmm. I have literally experienced some near-death experiences. And my wife passed in 2021. The most recent was in 2020. And she and I had went on our last vacation together to my home state of Washington. We went up the West Coast driving and caught a plane uh, back here to the Midwest. On the plane... All of a sudden, you know, I felt woozy for some reason, nauseous. And so um, I told my wife, I said, I have a seven up in the bag up under your um, feet there. Let me get the seven up. That's all I remember. Next thing I know, I open my eyes and everyone on the plane is looking at me. And I'm like, what's going on? The person that was sitting next to me is not there. There's people standing up in the aisle and they're all staring at me. Now I'm mad. Like, why are these people staring at me on this plane? I look over at my wife and superintendent, her face is red. Her hair is literally almost standing up. And I'm looking like, what's going on? She said, Elijah, do you know that you were gone? I said, what do you mean? She said, you were gone for about four minutes. And I looked at her, I said, what did you do? She said, I called Jesus and said, everybody in the plane was calling. Je I said, you had these people calling Jesus. You probably had them frightened thinking that the plane was going to crash or something. And so... They told me, they said, we were about to do CPR on you, you know, and I said, well, thank God that you didn't do that. But I told my wife, I said, well, I don't know what happened, but one thing I know, I had peace. And I believe, Superintendent, that God allowed me to experience that so that I can know that my wife is at peace. If I didn't know that she was at peace, I wouldn't be able to, you know, talking about doing the work. I, I wouldn't have any peace, I but I, I know she's okay. Bishop, I don't think you'd be sitting where you're sitting. I you wouldn't be. Because I, I think, look, in and doing what we do for a profession, right? And this is a life, this is a life walk that we do, right? As pastors. Yeah. In talking to people that experience grief, it if they don't know that, they, there's got to be that sense that they have to, to know that everything was okay. You know, yeah. that there is peace, that they, that, why we call it a home going? It's because we believe it's a home going. Yes, y'all can have funerals. We yeah. don't. We have a home going service home for a reason. Yeah. We believe that the person that has transitioned is exactly mm -hmm. that. They have transitioned and they, they, they have gotten their greatest reward, right? Yeah. Why yeah. his wife could look at that the way she did, and the even the funeral director says, We can't do yeah. that, but you see. Yeah. Because when God does it, that man can't touch it because it's a perfection right. of art. Yeah. And we really look with everything that he's endured. And I'm not just saying for, you know, Bishop Elijah Hankerson, the third, but people who have gone through what he has gone through. If it wasn't for his faith mm -hmm. and and really the sustaining of the prayers around him. The we got work to do would have been parked someplace exactly because the only work that would have been done would have been done on his mental well-being to mm -hmm. 
to get him from where he was to where he needs to be. So this is, this is the mission that he's been charged with. And his wife, I think about the, the amazement of that. His wife in her time said, hey, uh, no, you got work to do. Yeah. She basically gave him the charge right yes, then and there. She gave him the charge and said, hey, you got work to do. I'm okay. I'm going to yeah. be okay. The kids are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But you got work to do. And yes, Sue, can I add something to that? Yeah, please, please, please. What, what I want to add to that, I don't want anyone to feel bad if they get angry at God. Yes, please explain if it. They have those kinds of emotions. I went through all of that, but I'm telling you what has sustained me is the study of the word of God. Um, you're going to deal with those feelings. Now, there never was a time. Now, this is my experience. Someone else may have a different experience. My experience was not, okay, there's no God. There is no one up there. That was not my experience. My experience was, God, this is disappointing. You know, we trusted in you for one thing and something else happened. And I would encourage anybody, be honest with God. I know people tell you, don't question God. Don't have those kind of conversations. You cannot heal trying to be Superman and Wonder Woman. You have to be honest with God and tell him, you know, Lord, I'm very disappointed now. I I prayed for one thing to happen. And superintendent, the scripture that encouraged me was Job's statement, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's what sustained me. And what I've done now, and I would encourage every believer to do this, you know, we talk about, um, you know, what the word says, but then don't really study the word. I've gone through the Bible numerous times. I believe every minister should do that. Um, you know, starting this year, started going through again. And I'm seeing all kind of things that I never saw before. saw before. And with that, it makes you look back on your situation. Oh, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. So I would encourage people. Yes, it's wonderful to listen to worship songs. It's wonderful to be in services. It's wonderful to go to prophetic conferences. It's wonderful to have hands laid on you. But nothing beats the study of the word. And I would encourage you, if you're the kind of person that says, I can't sit down and read, you know, no eight or nine hours. Um, you know, there's, there's the Bible that's uh, uh, um, audio that you can listen to. Listen to any kind of version. There were a lot of preachers that could not read in the Holiness Church years ago. So they would have people just read the Bible mm-hmm. to them. Right. And as they read the Bible, they memorized right. those stories and that became real to them. And even though they couldn't read, they could tell when you weren't, in the Bible, they could tell that no, that the scripture doesn't say that. Go back and read it again. And that is what has really caused me to be able to stand. Nothing can substitute the word of God. Whatever feelings and emotions you have, as you read through the word, you'll find out there's tons of people hundreds of years ago that have gone through all the exact same things. They've gone through the depression. They've gone through the low times. They've gone through the betrayal. They've gone through the loss of loved ones. When you read the Psalms, it's not just all, hey, let's just up, jump up and praise the Lord, you know, but it, it it deals with those low moments. Fret not thyself because of evildoers. Don't be envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and where there is the green herb. That's talking about someone that was dealing with fretting and dealing with a difficult time and feeling like, now, God, why am I doing everything right and everything's going wrong and other people are doing things wrong and everything's going Right. He says, fret not thyself, commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, 
and he shall bring it to pass. In Psalm uh, 27, those last few verses, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. He may not change the situation, but he will strengthen thine heart. And I've learned the more you quote the word and listen to the word, it stirs up your spirit, just like uh, when my wife says, you've got work to do. And, and, and that just kept on resonating in my spirit until I say, you know what? I do have work to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let God know that you're dealing with doubt. Let him know that you're disappointed. Let him know that you're depressed. Don't try to say, well, I'm not depressed. If you are, just tell him I am. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Be honest with him. So I just wanted to add that. No, 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 no. And, and it's perfect. And, and what I have not done, but I, I'm just, uh, when, when you're, as he said, when you're in the spirit and you follow the spirit, yeah. I want to do this, Bishop, and I haven't done it. We haven't done it yet, but I, I really feel it's necessary. Mm. I, I want you to pray for those that listen, are listening to this that, are, that don't know, that don't have a relationship, that, 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 the, the relationship you had mm. and have that got you to where you are. Yeah. Because so often, you know, there's two, we, we, we deal with both of it. We have to tackle both sides. Those that are in church, those that we want to have to be coming into the church, right? Mm -hmm. But I think today what we, what we talked about in the Green Room, I want people that don't know who Bishop Eliza H. Hankerson is and hear this story saying, you know what? Lord, I heard it today. And I, I, I want to know that same Jesus that he knows that mm -hmm. got him through. And if you don't mind, if you can close us out in a minute or so, because we got to bring this down. Uh, we got to land this jet, as I say. But if you can, if you can pray us out, and I, I'd really, it would be an honor if you could do that. And I want so it would reach those that really need to hear this prayer. If you, my friend, don't know the Jesus that I know, that has sustained my family and I through this devastating time, now is the best time, more than ever before, to receive Him as your Lord and as your Savior. Three simple ways that you can receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Uh, you learn ABCs in elementary school, preschool. A, acknowledge that you are a sinner. Acknowledge that you lived a life that he's not pleased with. B, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And C, confess him as your personal Lord and as your Savior. Pray this simple prayer sincerely from your heart. You're not doing it like you're saying the Pledge of Allegiance. But sincerely from your heart, tell him, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge all of my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me for all of the wrong I've done and all the wrong that I have been. But I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe that you were buried in the grave. And three days later, God the Father raised you from the dead. Right now, Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and as my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins and tell him because I am forgiven, I ask that you would baptize me in the precious gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, someone has done something good for you, you tell them thank you. And I want you to get into a good Bible believing church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, believes in being water baptized. I come to tell you the Church of God in Christ is a great church. We're in just about every neighborhood. Just look us up, Literally. and I come to tell you that we will do you good and help you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the kingdom of God. 
And if you've made that decision, we use it during our, our weeknights and Sunday service. Look, if you've made that decision, I want you to text the word decision to 845-999-6719. Our team will reach out to you because we want to minister to you. If you don't have a home, we can give you a home and we can, we, we want to partner with you. And this has been an honor and a treat for me and just learning more about this man's story. And I can't thank you enough for, for taking your busy as busy. I know how busy you are, <laughs> but uh, off the charts, busy, but I want to thank you so much, Bishop, for taking some time out to be here with us and thank you for praying and, and really, uh, so I'm going to just close out. I'm going to check you back into the green room and I'll be right with you. And, uh, cause I want to talk to you before we, before you, before you move, listen, I hope you've enjoyed this segment, episode 14, Beyond the Law, uh, Beyond the Loss, because it has certainly been one that has touched my heart and fueled me to continue to do this mission that I've been given by God to talk about mental health and mental wellness and how to deal with some of these losses that we've had. So thank you. We'll be back next week with episode 15, and we look forward to seeing you. We're just going to play it out. <laughs>